Hey guys, how's it going? And welcome to episode 12 of the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast. This week I am at the Unitarian Church in town. And the reason I'm there is to speak to, um, first of all, I'll speak to Margaret, who I've got to say did fantastically. I threw her off her guard. I kind of turned up at the place uh, and I was like, Darwin, talk. And an 87-year-old lady uh, with a microphone being shoved in her face. I think she did brilliantly. She talked to me about the the history of the building. Um, uh, There was lots of uh, drama that took place in there. The building's 300 years old, and in those 300 years, there's been lots of drama. And, you know, it's a really important building for Shrewsbury because it was Darwin's church as a lad, uh, as a young lad. And uh, so Margaret talked to me about that, and she did brilliantly. And then I speak to Fiona who goes on to we talk about what's going on with the Darwin Festival. Now, the Darwin Festival is going to be a huge event that we are taking part in, and we are going to be, throughout the whole of February, I've, I've mentioned it before, we'll be attending events and talking primarily about the Darwin Festival. Starts on the 8th of February and runs right through to the 24th, with events taking place all throughout the town, um, whether it's the Bellstone, the old post office, um, St. Altman's Church, um, the Alb, uh, the Unitarian Church, the University, throughout that time. It's these kind of places that these events are going to be taking place at. And if you want to find out more, make sure you pop to originalshrewsbury.com. And you can also, what I do, is I, I've downloaded Eventbrite. Now, not all events are going to be ticketed by Eventbrite, but I've downloaded the app anyway. Eventbrite is great. All you do is you type in your location you you look what's about and it tells you what kind of events are going on and primarily throughout the whole of February most of the events on Eventbrite are going to be Darwin Festival related but also make sure you check out originalshrewsbury.com for tickets that aren't included on Eventbrite. So this episode I really enjoyed. I got to learn something and quite embarrassingly I didn't know the relevance of uh, between this building and Darwin. I didn't realise that it was Darwin's you know, church. So I I did some research the night the night before <laughs> I went to this building, and then and then we talked about it, which is great. I, I learned something, and you know what, locals, if you live afar from Shrewsbury and you're popping in to do bits, like make sure you poke poke your head into the uh, the Unitarian Church. It's it's really nice. You know, I walked in there from the hustle and bustle of the town. It's on High Street, just up from H- HSBC. Uh, I put it was you know a busy day. I walked in, and it was just tranquil, really dim lit, quiet, and it was like straight into like absolute peace and quiet. It was great, you know. Um, but the building's beautiful as well. The uh, the top of the uh, ceiling, uh, the ceiling is actually framed by like Wedgwood colours because Wedgwood was a Unitarian. So see, learning every day. So this is the first episode of our Darwin Festival extravaganza and I hope you enjoy it. You've got lots to come. We are going to be pumping out episodes this month. It's not going to be, um, sorry, not this month, but February. <laughs> uh, every week we're going to be doing more than once a week. So there's lots to look forward to. If you would like us to cover a certain event or if you'd like, if you look along the uh, the calendar for the Darwin Festival, if there's something you really do want me to go and um investigate then please get in touch with me and um, you can get us on social media um facebook and instagram is the shrewsbury biscuit podcast 
Twitter is the Shrewsbury B1. You can also email me, uh, which and our email address is shrewsburybiscuitpodcast at gmail.com. I love you guys. I hope you enjoy this episode and have a great weekend. Oh, my name's Alex, by the way. Oh, yes. What was your name again, sorry? Margaret. Margaret. Margaret Harris. Margaret yeah. Harris. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, I'm at the Unitarian Church in Shrewsbury today. Um, to talk about its importance in Shrewsbury, we're going to be talking a bit about the events that are coming up um, that help the, the community, you know, uh, later on with, with Fiona. But for now, I'd like, you know, just to find out a bit of history about this building. Mm-hmm. We've got listeners in America and Canada and places in the UK myself included that don't understand the importance of this building mm-hmm. I, I remember the first time which was about when I was when I was first getting the show together so say November mm-hmm. first time I stepped foot in this building I it kind of blew me away because it's kind of it's kind of hidden isn't it, it doesn't look mm-hmm. like a church no. it doesn't mm-hmm. so when I came in it was amazing um, so what can you tell me about this church why is it so important to Shrewsbury because generally its great importance to Shrewsbury is the fact that Dr. Charles Darwin came here with his mother um, because his mother was a Unitarian yes. and uh, he came here with her and his two elder sisters until he was eight years old <clears throat> and at the age of eight his mother died um, so his father was not a Unitarian he was a very busy very popular GP um, but he did carry on with a connection because the minister who was a minister here was also, he had a, um, a, a primary school in his house, the manse, um, and so Charles Darwin went there for another couple of years yeah. between um, before he went to the Shrewsbury School. Yeah. So he was taught then um, as a uni, Unitarian. So he, the main thing about Unitarianism is that it's we, we are out to check to question everything. So Charles Darwin, um, he got, went down into the pool in the middle of Shrewsbury, which is now a very ornamental pool, but then was a quarry pool. And then he got interested in all his beetles and things from that point wow. on. Um, and also he, he lived by the, near the river. And so he, he had a, um, an area there, which is similar type of thing. And so he, um, so he did, although he became an agnostic after he'd done his trip with a um, beetle but up until then he is he was he, all his relations and his mother was a <coughs> um her husband her father was um josiah wedgwood and the wedgwoods were he was a great potter and um, doing his particular type of pottery was this blue and white stuff that was even sent to chris I think Catherine very the Great, famous, very famous. Very famous, yeah, yes. very famous so they were they were Unitarians. So um, he had all his relations growing up were Unitarian, um, and when of course he got married, his wife was Unitarian too. But um, he developed his own system of of, of deciding um, whether presence of God was a creator or not. He left that in abeyance. He wasn't really wouldn't like to say. So. 
but definitely his questioning came from his uh, European. So it's thanks to his, his, his the beliefs that he was brought raised upon that mm. um, encouraged him to 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 be curious and to ask questions. Yes. So it's definitely. really important, I think. Yes. Um, so regardless mm. of of what your religions are, your beliefs are, it was because of that that we have a whatever the legacy of Darwin as you say yes um, mm. and this building as well is has been I mean it's, it's how old is it now it's 300 years yes just yeah. 300 years yeah. old and mm. it's been steeped in, in drama and all kinds of things I was researching it last night and um, mm -hmm. yeah, there was lots going on here wasn't there so can you explain a bit about that what happened with the the riots and the <coughs> yes uh, well I mean initially um, in the um, um, mid early 1600s that was the time when when there was a great ejection and and in the Church of England some of the ministers were not happy about having to teach from the, the prayer book because this had been written by men they only wanted to teach from the Bible and so they were given the choice that <clears throat> they had to decide if they were going to teach from the prayer book and if they weren't they would lose their living wow. so their living was a house and they got paid every six months and so it was a, it was a difficult thing for them to think that they'd have to give up their the whole livelihood yeah. but um, this was a conscience thing and when it came to the point they gave them half um, six months to think about it and then they came up and the day that they had to do it was just the day before their six monthly money was due oh, wow. so <laughs> they'd be down on their uppers mm. and waiting for their next six months money and then they were told no you won't be getting it if you're going out and so that's what happened and we had there was in here on this spot there was an an old um, house which was belonged to a timber merchant and at the bottom of his garden he had a large sort of shed like building yeah. and he said that if he, he was sympathetic to the, um, to the people who are, had been the two of the ministers from the local churches and he said they could use his at the bottom so they went down the side of his garden and they used that um, and then uh, after some time um, that became too small and they, he said you can have my house I'm moving out into the country so they turned his house then into a church wow. and then it was the Jacobean riots um, what were the Jacobean riots because I'm, I'm not quite so sure about yeah. what it but I knew I do know that they were for the king and the book so we were considered to be heretics because we weren't teaching from the, the prayer book, the book yeah. and the, as well as the Bible so we were heretics so they decided to vent their venom and pull the church down almost like Christian outlaws yes yes, yes yeah. they were yeah, yeah. yeah. and then um, they didn't it wasn't just our church there were about half a dozen churches in the Midland that, and one of them was actually um, put on fire wow. yes and and um, they it was the inventor who invented oxygen um, and his house was set on fire and yeah. he lost all his scientific papers he was a minister as well so they not That's only important information yeah, gone. yes yes yeah. it was um, so he eventually ended up in America and my memory being what it is <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, don't I don't worry about name. it. We, we don't have to go into like. Yeah, know, but he's uh, he's an important person, um, and quite well known in scientific circles.
he himself and a Frenchman discovered oxygen at the same time, but I think he just beat him by a short head. <laughs> and uh, so, and in the way, <clears throat> some people say that Darwin didn't want to come out as, uh, um, it might have had something to do with it. It's a small might, but he didn't want all his papers to be burnt. When he came out to write um, his important book, The Origin of the Species, if people so disliked what he'd written that they decided to put his house, burn it down to the ground, yeah. which had happened already, then he would have lost all his, all his research papers and everything. And that might have had something to do with him being an agnostic, but on the other hand, it might not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But mm. So, so from, from, the, from the Jacobean, Jacob, Jacobean, Jacobean yes. riots, what, what came of this place then? What happened? Well, it, as, because it had been this house turned into a church, and it was pulled down, and at the time, the mayor of Shrewsbury didn't really, he stood back, he didn't send in the, the police, such as there were, yeah. um, to actually stop it. He let it carry on which was really very reprehensible, yes, no. that wasn't good. No. Um, well then, <coughs> the, um, for I think two or three years, it, it was laying in, in rubble, and people would come and take the extra stones for their houses or their walls or something. Um, and then the king, it was George I, um, he decided that this, he changed the king, and he decided that these churches that had been damaged should be rebuilt and they should be rebuilt at government expense. So um, this is why we have this great um, emblem of the lion and the unicorn, which was the emblem of the king at that time. It's huge. Yes, it's, it's up beautiful. on the wall. Yeah. And if you look at the lion, he's got a sort of slightly human face. The unicorn looks like a unicorn, but yeah. somebody said that it bears a slight resemblance to the king himself. Wow. <laughs> it doesn't look completely like a lion's face, does it? <laughs> paint me like a lion, paint me like a lion. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the, that, that is fantastic. It's, I mean, all of this building in general. I mean, mm -hmm. if you, to my listeners, if you've, if, even if you live in Shrewsbury, you've never really popped in here, just, 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 just the Unitarian Church. It's yeah. just from um, HSBC, yeah. um, just mm -hmm. up from the old market hall. Um, pop in and have a look because it's a really beautiful building. Um, I like that story that the fact that the, the, the king was like, you're wrong in doing that. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I demand you make it right again. Mm -hmm. um, and this place, um, from what I gather, has been like, a, a, you know, a strong hub for the community. It's, it's done quite, quite well, a lot. Well, yes, we had some very important, influential industrial people um, in, um, in sort of 1800s that yeah. were uh, attached to this church. Um, and so, our, um, so they sort of ploughed a lot of um, sort of energy and yeah. um, finances into it too. Yeah. Um, but now, of course, in the days when uh, church attendances are falling, we have a small attendance. I mean, usually 25, 30, not a lot, but also it's very compact. We don't have a regular minister. We have different ministers coming from different Unitarian churches. So in a way, we get a, a more varied um, approach to um, spirituality. Yeah. And then we have four members of our church who are wonderful and, and qualified to take services. Um, yeah. Bronwyn, for instance, takes, conducts marriages yeah. and, and funerals. So 
it's it's a very welcoming church as everybody says but also it's very interesting because we all have different spiritual approaches and we recognize that people have different spirits so we're not trying to convince somebody that our way of thinking is much better so we um, I mean we might have a couple of human humanitarians hum, humanitarians who are also members of our community but that's fine so we I mean I've been to India a lot and I believe in um, reincarnation but that doesn't mean to say that everybody else does yes and they think well that's just Margaret she just likes it <laughs> and I it fits in with her ideas but um, I believe I believe that you know everybody's got their own regardless of whether you you're a Christian or a Muslim or a Jew mm. if you're Jewish you know everybody's got their own beliefs everybody's got their own their own their own kind of religion that's something that they yes. believe in that drives mm. them and it's really important I think especially if you're going to go on to create or if you're going to if you're going to go on and make something of yourself yeah. you need to have that belief you need mm. to be able to go forward and that's what that's why that's why I think it's important anyway and it's into faith really because our readings can be taken from the <coughs> from the Bhagavad Gita or from the Quran or it could be some great philosopher um, which and who's actually writing fits in with a the theme of the, of the service so it's it's a very varied sort of so, so the, the, the unitarian uh, belief is, is quite it's, it's, it's quite i suppose at the time it was quite cutting edge you know yes. it, it's, mm. it's like a different way of thinking mm. it's like we're not going to follow the rules as such we're going to we're going to yeah. We're going to take our influences from a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and that's what you mm. guys have done. It's a much wider, a broader spectrum. Yes. And also, it fits in understanding, um, understanding other religions. Yeah. So you're not sort of likely to be biased or think that Christianity is the only way that you should um, approach the divine. It's not like that. Yeah. You, and and we, and for that reason, we all get along fine. It's like a great big family. That's really it's nice. Great. That's really nice. Have you been part of this church for a long time? I've been about five years. Yeah. Um, my husband was very ill, so I couldn't come when he was very ill. He'd had a series of strokes. But um, I have been to India a lot um, yeah. earlier on, and um, been to an ashram there. So, yeah. but but also I was I was born in um, in a Church of England. I was a Sunday school teacher of Church of England. But then being a nurse, I went abroad and I met people from all different walks of life. And I felt that the Christian idea of we are, we are right and everybody else is wrong just didn't fit in at all. <laughs> so I find that um, Unitarianism fits, um, it's beautiful because it's so wide, wide ranging and so encompassing. Yeah, I, I liked it. It's, uh, about 15 minutes ago, I walked in like, oh, I always I have this, um, this phobia of being late, so I always turn up a little bit early. Yes. And I turned up a bit early, and um, it was before two o'clock, and you're having this, this moment of reflection. The lights were dimmed down a bit, and you, you guys were yeah. sitting quietly reflecting. Um, and it, I come in, oh, hello, welcome <laughs> to do an interview. Um, and I found that quite beautiful. I found it quite nice that you can, you know, the hustle and bustle of the street outside, mm -hmm. and then come into this really peaceful, quiet mm. place you can just get, sit and yes. think mm. you know and that, that's 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 really odd because mm. it's a busy it's so busy and loud out there you mm. know it's a beautiful thing though you mm. know so that's really good yes um, and the only difficulty is really that the car parks are a little bit because it's in the center of town yeah you're coming in by car 
Um, and we have, I mean, Volmin comes all the way from Bridge North, which is nearly 20 miles away. Mm-hmm. And then um, we had somebody coming from Ludlow and Craven Arms, which is even sort of even further still. Yeah. Which probably isn't very far if you're living in, you know, <laughs> in North America <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> but here it is. Most people come to church very locally. Yeah. You know, but yeah. We have a broader. But this building, um, if you are into your history, if you if you are history buffs. Is, a, is definitely one to tick off the list if you come into Shrewsbury. Um, you've got a great plaque you've just showed me over there. Yes. Um, mm. and that, that commemorates, mm-hmm. this has been Darwin's church when he was younger. Yes. That, that's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And also, of course, we have um, Samuel Taylor Coleridge, who was the poet. Yeah. <clears throat> and he actually um, preached a sermon here. He was training to be, <clears throat> to be a Unitarian minister, and he had to give three services here. Um, and if they were satisfactory, he would have been fully qualified and set up. But he, after his first um, sermon, which everybody said was absolutely amazing, um, Charles Darwin's uncles, his mother's brothers, offered him a living in the early 1800s, which was just £150 a year, because they thought he would make a better poet than a minister. So he very happily accepted that <laughs> and went off to join Wordsworth, his friend in the Lake District. And um, so, yes, he's, so we've, we have the, 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 the place where he actually preached his, uh, his sermon. And, uh, and he has a connection with this church too. Which Not as strong as Charles Darwin, of course. <laughs> I mean, the, one of the main points of, of me doing this podcast and this show yeah. um, is, yeah. is to point out the fact that there's this constant uh, reoccurrence of, of just brilliance coming from this town. You know, there's mm-hmm. so many amazing people that have come from here, writers and scientists, and, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, you know, this place has been, from the beginning, there's been, uh, you know, a place where, where it's been linked with many of these people. Yes. So, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it, uh, you know... It, Mm-hmm. Whether it's a religious spirituality or whether it's a creative one, I think this is probably one of the centre points. And you not agree? Like, it's, you know, it's, mm. this is a place where you can go and probably get inspired. I think. Yes, I think it's a lovely place to live. I having lived outside London <coughs> when I came back from working in Kuwait, um, I lived outside London for twelve years. Yeah. But uh, coming here, I think I'm very lucky to be here. It's a beautiful town. Some people think it's a model town. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think yeah, so. I it think is. So. It's interesting. I'm from I'm from outside Shrewsbury. I mean, I'm only just outside. I mean, I live in North Wales and Telford and all places. Mm. But I moved mm. here and I fell in love with the place. I usually ask people what does Shrewsbury mean to you, but I think that answers it beautifully. Mm. You know, because I moved here and I just feel safe here. You know. Yes, so, it is. You know. It's a it's a lovely town with lovely beautiful buildings, and the the, the park outside is yeah. um, is gorgeous. Yes, it and is. the river which is sort of makes a loop around the town as well and the bridges um yes it's it's i've got got one of my best friends lives in arizona in america Mm. and later on in the year he's coming to see me and Mm. he was like we'll spend a bit of time in london and a bit of time in birmingham and here there but i mainly want to come see shrewsbury that's genuinely what he says really yes because because he knows me and he sees everything i post on facebook and things so Mm -hmm. he's quite interested to come and see this place and he's a scientist himself so 
mm-hmm. you know, learning about Darwin and places where he went would be uh, yes. you know, a huge mm-hmm. influence for him. Thank you very much for talking to me. This has been really nice. Yeah. Um, and uh, hopefully I'll you know, get to chat to you again sometime. Mm, thank you very much for talking to oh, me. Very interesting. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and that was Margaret, who I think did amazingly well. I wanted to say thank you to Margaret for chatting to me. You know, I learned so much from our conversation. So thank you very much. Next on the show is me talking to Fiona about what is going on with the Darwin Festival. What have we got to look forward to? Um, I really enjoyed chatting to Fiona. Um, and I wanted again, I wanted to say thank you for sitting with me. Um, I, I think Fiona's great, and I, I'm really looking forward to the events. The events mentioned on this interview are, first of all, we talked about Mr. Darwin's Tree, which is on Saturday the 9th at the Unitarian Church at 7.30pm. Just before that, on the same day, Saturday the 9th at 2.30pm, you've got Climate Change, Evolution, deniers and anti-science which i've got to say i am really looking forward to i've got my ticket booked for that i hope you guys do too we also talk about compassionate town workshop at the unitarian church um that's on wednesday the 13th of february at 6 30 p.m but like i said at the beginning of the show make sure you pop to originalshrewsbury.com or eventbrite to look for your tickets i'll leave you with the rest of the show i hope you enjoy it um, so guys, I'm sat with, with Fiona from the Unitarian Church, um, <laughs> and we've come to talk about, um, about about the Unitarian Church and what it does uh, for the community. And well, first of all, thanks for coming and well, letting me come and speak to you. It's my pleasure. Yeah, um, I've been dying to speak to you for a while, and I've been dreading it. You stick oh. a microphone in your face. And no, you no, 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 that's all right. There's nothing to dread. <laughs> I've been dreading it so that um, I hope I sound coherent and knowledgeable. Um, so I would like to chat to you about kind of this place and, and what it, I've learned a lot about um, chatting to Margaret. I've, I've learned a lot about the history of this place and the importance of this place and how it's kind of a hub for creativity. You know, it seems to be constantly linked with, um, you know, really intelligent people and creative people of the past. Mm, that's very interesting for you to say so. I mean, we try. Um, <laughs> so, yes, and we do have... Um, Obviously, we have our Sunday services, which are, they follow quite a traditional format, Um, although every second Sunday we have what's called a circle service, so that's where we kind of abandon the pews and sit in a circle, as as, um, one would expect, Um, and generally led by members of the congregation who, um, whoever's leading it, chooses a topic. So, for example, uh, last week uh, the theme was practicing philanthropy. And um, you have this bit of a mouthful, isn't it? Is, it? Yeah. Um, and, and it's very interactive, so people share their thoughts. And there's obviously a little bit of you know readings and meditations and um, quiet reflections. It's very much a kind of open forum for people to to express their opinions. I on did things. just come wading in uh, before two o'clock, just to, uh, walked into a silent room where everybody's kind of relax and I was kind of like hey I've uh, come for an interview and they're kind of like, yeah, and, and they were like uh, can you come back in a bit yeah. um, so that's a recent um, introduction and when I say recent probably been doing it for about a year now it's an alternative to our Sunday service and just provides people um, during the week for a quiet place to come um, for quiet reflection um, and people can light a candle um, for concern or joy whatever um, they might be experiencing in their lives at the time and sit quietly 
So it runs from on Thursdays between 1 and 2. People don't have to stay the whole hour. They can mm. come and go. So we've probably just about managed to train the members of the congregation who are here stewarding the church not to talk during that hour. It's, it's, so, it's, it's really nice. I was just saying to Margaret there, um, I think I may have done something similar the first time I came into this building to come talk to you. Okay. Um, and there's a hustle and bustle of outside. There's lots of noise, cars, people. And you walk into this really dim lit, nice, beautiful building to quietness and it's really yeah. something I mean that's part of why we like to have the church open is that you know people can step off the bustle out of the bustle of the high street particularly at Christmas we do a quiet Saturday so people can come in and just quietly reflect um, so the church is open more and more traditionally we used to have the church open on a Tuesday and yeah. a Thursday afternoon um, but um, I as the church administrator like to have the church doors open while I'm here um, and so that people can just come in and just wander through. Um, they don't necessarily get um, to have a conversation with anybody, but it's about sharing the space as well. Um, and um, there aren't many places in the in, you can go to these days, A, that don't cost any money to go into or any obligation to buy anything, yeah. that one can just enjoy peace and quiet. And I bet you get a lot of tourists in here as well. Darwin, can you take a picture of Darwin's plan? Uh, we do, and I actually take a photograph of them because um, I quite like that. We had some uh, Japanese tourists recently who were lovely, um, and Italian. Um, so from all over the world, actually, quite a lot of Americans. Yeah. Um, we do get some study groups coming over from American universities as well. Um, obviously, school parties come in because of the Darwin connection. So excuse me. <coughs> um, and we get a lot of people who say, oh my goodness, I've walked past this building for the last 70 years and I've never seen the doors open. Um, <laughs> and isn't it lovely? Um, and it's about sharing our heritage as well. It's a listed building. Obviously our links with um, Darwin and also with the poet Coleridge who um, delivered a sermon here. I'm sure Margaret probably told you about that. Yes, absolutely. Um, and the building as well. I mean, there's quite a, quite a lot of little interesting features. Um, taking, for example, the Darwin the nod to um, the Wedgwood family, which yeah. is the frieze around the top, oh. the plasterwork around the top in blue and white, um, because, of course, Darwin's mother was part of the Wedgwood family. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple of years ago, um, Shropshire Art Society um, spent a couple of years in the church doing, uh, they, they record um, artefacts in church. I read about this, I read about um, this. So, and then they presented us with a bound book. Um, which is a history of everything that's within the church, uh, which is quite fascinating. I haven't had a chance to read it cover from, to cover, but uh, you know it's quite useful to delve into as yeah, well. When did that finish? It's only recent, recently finished. Yeah, so it was presented to us last January, actually, so yeah. we've been in possession of the book for a year. Um, and also, as we've gone along, we've been adding to our, our heritage or creating tomorrow's heritage. Yeah. I don't know if... Um, so that was to, like... To log out the kind of all the furniture and the bits in the back. Absolutely, the, yeah, the clock and yeah. the the fabrics and the plaques and paintings. Yeah. Find it, find out where it was made, when it was made. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. it really is interesting. So um, anybody's very welcome to come and, and view that. Um, there's a copy at Shropshire Archives and a copy in the uh, Victorian Albert, I think, museum. I uh, yeah. don't know whether Margaret told you about the new um, 
pulpit for that we have in the church. No, she didn't. Ah, she missed I kind of put her on the spot. I was kind of like, here's a microphone, talk. And she was, uh-huh. I think after she did it, she did apologise if she forgot anything, but I did probably No, well, she was talking very much more about the history of, yeah. of the church yeah. and Unitarianism. So, um, we recently added to the um, heritage of the church. Um, we have a member um, of our congregation, Hanny Newton, who um, graduated from the um, School of Needlework at Hampton Court. And she works in gold, um, so gold thread. So um, so it's um, the flame of the Unitarian, which is a symbol of Unitarianism. Um, I'll show you um, shortly. Um, so it was uh, worked in uh, gold thread that was specifically made for the church. Right. Um, and it is rather lovely. And I personally love the idea that you know that's going to hang here for another three hundred years or whatever, Sounds and be very much part of um, you know uh, the future heritage of the church. So um, one of the members of the co- um, congregation has just written written an article actually about it. So I've added that to our record book. So any new things that have been added into the church, Sounds obviously brilliant. not. Um, not tables from office furniture or whatever, but anything of value. <laughs> there was a um, stapler here, I do remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, where's it gone? That was in 1976. <laughs> yeah, but what a great moment to, to kind of be here is when they're doing that, you know, because the, from the sounds of it, it's not something they do very often, you know. So. Well, that is. I mean, we've had, over the last, I've worked here for about three years, or I'm in my third year now. Might even be my fourth year. No time flies when you're enjoying yourself. So we've had, um, I don't know whether you, you noticed the banner when you were out there. I'm just looking at it on our camera here. So the banner's the, there. No, the yes, I did see that. I did see that, yeah. Um, so that was made a couple or so years ago. So again, that's um, hopefully there for posterity. Mm-hmm. Posterity? Posterity. Is that my word? Um, so actually, it just reminded me. Yeah, uh, it just reminded me that la- the last couple of weeks we've just had a new organ blower installed. I don't expect Margaret mentioned that one either. No, no. That was really fascinating. So our our organ in the church was um, first installed over a hundred years ago, um, and although it's it's obviously been um, maintained on a six monthly basis um, and had some minor repairs. It's actually due for a major overhaul. As part of that, we had to have a new organ blower, which sucks the air into the blower um, to make it make sense. Um, and uh, I quite like this thing because it, it arrived. It's, it was um, it was big blue affair, and it's got B O B Bob on it, Bob. which is like this is the organ player. It's now got the name Bob, but that actually does stand for British um, organ blowers. Um, <laughs> So again, I was thinking uh, that also is part of our, our heritage, actually. I should uh, add, add records of that to our book as well. Um, it's now all encased in um, boarding, so um, it's a rare glimpse one had of Bob, it's, actually. It's, 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 it's um, an important part of a church, isn't it? You know, the organ, so you've got to keep it going. It's like, it's like having a new... Uh, uh, photocopier in an office. It's an integral oh, no, part. No, it's far more important than no, that. No, I don't, what I mean, the, the point I'm trying to make is, is it, you can't function without it. You know, you can't. Well, we need can. It. We don't. We only have the organ um, player, a gentleman called um, Bill Smallman, who comes twice a month. I mean, he's he's in demand. He, he's great. So before I worked here, I didn't have any understanding or appreciation actually of organs, um, but obviously got to know the interior workings of organs quite intimately um, and um, requires a little bit of knowledge. That's the beauty of this job actually, <laughs> is to discover so many areas. 
Um, so um, when someone said, oh, the blower needs to do uh, repairing, I, in my mind, I thought of those blowers that you, you <laughs> beat Keep together the with the fire going, exactly, <laughs> but not realising that it's, you know, um, half the size of this room almost. Wow. Um, and it's all done in a special sheep's leather, but over a period of time that kind of perishes. Yeah, um, so it's been patched, but now we're going to have them redone. So um, the choice was either to have the organ renovated which it had cost, given the fact that this is a very small organ, comparatively, and a bit of a workhorse. Um, it's about £30,000. Obviously, you want in Shrewsbury Abbey, for example, if they're doing their organ, it's um, probably ten times that. Wow. Um, but that's still quite a lot of money for us, obviously, to have to find. We've had some very generous donations. Um, but as a result of that, I've also come to learn quite a lot about the organ. And Bill Smallman, who plays the organ, plays it with um, great gusto and flourish, flourish flourishes um, <laughs> and actually I really enjoy it so yeah it's, it's another interesting aspect to church life yeah I'm sure I'm sure you, you guys uh, really appreciate that um, as, um, this place is um, has a lot to do with the community right um, um, we I suppose over and above being open and being accessible um, and sharing our Heritage as a listed building, um, making that open and available to two members of the public. Um, we like to support charities, so yeah. um, hitherto we do a book sale once a month on a Saturday morning, uh, and the money for that goes to a local charity. Um, so the last year we supported the Ark. Not Fantastic. Sure who we're going to be supporting this current yeah. year. Um, and then we have. Um, um, the offertory collection um, on the on the circle services once a month um, is a charitable um, collection for a local charity um, of the person who's leading the choice leading the service they yeah. make the choices to where it goes um, we support a charity called Omashana uh, which I can give you some more details on um, they do a lot of work in Uganda um, in education um, so we've recently twinned our toilets with them they were building some new toilet blocks um, for the schools um, and so we twinned our toilets that so give them a sum to, to, to build the new toilets there um, we have a Unitarian charity which is called Send a, Ch a, Chucklow, Send a Child to Hucklow even <laughs> the Unitarians have a, a centre in the Peak District in a place called Great Hucklow um, and it's a residential centre for uh, Unitarians and courses and things are held there um, and retreats but then over the summer and maybe um, other other holidays uh, we do a lot of holidays for disadvantaged children um, so like we that. have a collection for that on an ongoing basis and then also do like maybe a spring fair or, or autumn fair um, so we like to support, um, we support Self Help Africa as well. So we send, sell their Christmas cards. Our harvest um, collection always goes to Self Help Africa um, and various other charities. As, that's, as really good. that's really good that you get involved um, with so many things. Well, know? especially given the fact that we're not an enormous congregation. It's a very generous congregation. Yeah. Um, we'd probably like to be involved more. We've got a, um, a very nice schoolroom upstairs, which we do hire out about £10 an hour. It's a fantastic space. It's very self-contained and has a kitchen. 
and it's warm, um, which is very important in churches. <laughs> um, that gets used by various groups. Um, unfortunately, um, at this point in time, we don't have disabled access, but that's something we're working on. And obviously, once um, we Can't do be have easy that, with a, no, because we've always building. got to kind of put that. Yeah. Mm, there are ways around it. We've obviously spoken to the conservation officer, and she has preferred routes. Yeah. Um, but um, I think these days churches have to be living, breathing, quite um, you know, organically developing um, institutions really and building. So, um, and there's a lot more kind of charitable things that possibly we could do um, if we um, had more space that was accessible. Um, so that's very much the direction. I mean, these days, if you want to fundraise for anything um, to do with churches, um, particularly, for example, through heritage lottery funding, you have a, a, you have to show a substantial public benefit and a quite a substantial amount of any um, grant monies has to be spent on developing community use. Okay, which so is great because I mean it keeps churches alive and it keeps oh, yeah, I mean, somewhere yeah. like this which is a heritage building obviously it's quite expensive to maintain mm -hmm. and a listed building we have a responsibility to maintain it Yes. Um, but then it's quite nice that it's um, uh, you know it goes on developing in whatever way I mean, it's a secular space as much as a religious space, really. Well, you guys are doing a great job making it look great. It looks, oh, it looks, it looks fantastic. I was in awe of it the first time I walked in. Oh, and so we've made quite a lot of little changes. You'll notice we've got like, new chairs, and we gently try and um, obviously protect our heritage whilst um, making it an inviting, clean, and more contemporary you know, aspects of it. Yeah. Like comfortable seating. Yes. Right, let's talk about the Darwin Festival because, of course, I do you know what? This is my fault for being so ignorant. I'm an ignorant I'm outsider. Ignorant. I am. A, well, I I didn't understand the, the relevance of this place in Darwin uh, until I researched last night. I was reading about the place and I was like, yeah. oh my God, it makes sense now. I, I wouldn't have known unless I worked here, really, yeah. to be very honest with you. Um, so, um, I mean, obviously, I would, I would like to think that um, Unitarianism had a, a, a big impact on Darwin mm -hmm. um, and his life. So, yes. Yeah. So, to take part in such a, a great celebration of his of his achievements, uh, I'm sure that Margaret explained to you the links with Darwin and absolutely, he came yeah, here with his yeah. mother and yeah. Yeah. This is. This I mean, we've got a play, haven't we? I don't know whether you're familiar, you know about the play that um, is being performed in the church on February the 9th. Just going to look for details of that one now. Um, so it's called Mr. Darwin's Tree. It's a play yes. by Murray Watts. So it was first performed in Westminster Abbey, actually, to great acclaim. And um, so it's a one-man show, but it's going to be performed by Andrew Harrison. Um, and it was commissioned, actually, by the think tank Theos in 2009 for the bicentenary of Darwin's birth. And as I say, it was premiered in Westminster Abbey. I think it's been shown once in Shrewsbury before, maybe in Shrewsbury School. Um, so it promises to be extremely interesting. So it's entitled Life, Love, Sex, Faith, Doubt, Death at the Universe and... So... Um, Sounds quite satirical, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on in yeah. that. In that. So, um, um, so the tickets the tickets are being sold online um, on um, origi um, original Shrewsbury website um, so they can be purchased online there for £12 um, uh, or they can some if people really uh, find it difficult to do online they can pop into the church 
and I reserved tickets and paid for tickets with me. So that's um, that promises to be a very interesting event. As you say, in the afternoon um, on the Saturday the 9th at 3 o'clock, we have an event which is called Climate Change Evolution Deniers and Anti-Science. This is a talk being given by um, Professor Jeff Levermore, who actually is um, a Unitarian minister. Um, he's a professor at University of Manchester. Um, and he's going to talk, uh, start his talk by um, beginning to look at the evidence for climate change and global warming and highlight the evidence of mankind's fossil fuel emissions into the atmosphere. And he's also going to be talking, looking at influential climate deniers. So we discussed. I was about to mention Trump, but I'm not sure if he's an influential <laughs> climate denier. I'm really excited about this. I, I was, uh, I nearly had a heart attack because I think I thought I wasn't going to be able to get a ticket to it, but I'm, I'm going to try my best to get there. Cause... Yeah. Well, we've got a hundred available, so there's always going to be spare tickets. Yeah, I don't I'm think we're going to, to be sold to out anyway. <laughs> so it says the built environment um, response performance the third of greenhouse gas emissions potential for reducing them would be explored. See, I think that's really interesting because I can never understand why new houses aren't built with solar panels. Yes. Or, you know, renewable energies. You've got people like Elon Musk that, that powered a, an island for was it, 48 hours just on solar power alone. Yeah. You know, you don't, I don't understand why. why uh, they just knock these houses up and very little thought seems to be given to the environment. Um, and they're cheap as well. Solar panels aren't, aren't expensive. Uh, they must have come down in price quite considerably. Uh, the, the, the Elon Musk has des- developed... Uh, I always talk about Elon Musk. He's my hero. All right, um, I don't know him. He, he's, uh, he's pretty much the... He's a very clever guy. He's the guy that owns Tesla, the electric cars. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah That's interesting, interesting, yeah. He's developed a housing tile that is a solar panel. So basically yeah. you can have a complete roof that's solar powered. Yeah, well, and they all be built into them because yeah. they don't have to be panels that are put ah, on. Yeah. I mean, there are ways of just doing, yeah. you know, those, those kind of panels, aren't yeah. there? Um, so, I mean, that, that's fascinating for us, and we're very fortunate that um, actually Jeff Evermore is going to be holding the, uh, leading the service this coming Sunday. So he visits the church at least once every three months to to give a. Um, I'd love to get to, you know, say hello to him. But, yeah, oh, you are to come to a service one day. Yes. But you'll get a chance. There'll be plenty of chance for questions and answers. Um, that's at 2.30 on the Saturday the 9th, isn't it? That's right, yeah. Saturday um, the 9th. You've uh, got... It says till 3.30, but probably run over till 4. But then obviously we're going to have to have a quick turnaround for the play. Yes. So we've also got, um, on the Saturday evening... Um, we've got a, a temporary events license, so there will be a, a bar as well. Although it's important to say that that's a cash bar, you don't have any mechanism for taking. Yeah, don't take, don't bring your cards, guys. Get some money. No, unfortunately, we can't. <laughs> um, so we've also um, the church is going to be the venue for another couple of um, events that are taking part as part of the Darwin um, festival. Um, I'm particularly interested in the one that's taking place on uh, February the 13th, um, which is entitled Compassionate Time Workshop, led by Professor Patrick... Uh, I don't know Pietroni. Pietroni. <laughs> Pietroni. Um, yeah. Um, I think this one promises to be really interesting, and I'm very much um, looking forward to it. Describing the, the talk about Compassionate Town... And they say that um, Darwin wrote, Sympathy beyond, beyond the confines of man, that is humanity to lower animals, seems to be one of the latest moral acquisitions. This virtue, one of the 
noblest of, with which man is endowed seems to arise incidentally from our sympathies becoming more tender and more widely diffused until they extend to all sentient beings. I depress now. <laughs> um, so um, it's Professor Patrick um, Pietroni. Um, he's from the, the Darwin International Institute for the Study of Compassion. Um, so he's going to outline how acts of compassion can result in the strengthening of resilience and community development. Um, it's also going to be a reading of selected poems, um, which will illustrate this better than the academic presentation. Um, that actually sounds really interesting. Yeah. Um, and again, uh, tickets for that, uh, or information about the tickets, um, are available um, on the original Darwin website. I think the tickets are going to be available either through ourselves or through um, Eventbrite. Um, I'll, um, I'm going to. So this is going to be released next week. I'm going to. I'm going to be putting links to tickets and things on our social media as well. So yeah. Is there any help you need uh, pushing these tickets? We'll, 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 we'll that would be absolutely grand. I mean, have you looked at the original yeah, Shrewsbury the website? I have. I did, and um, uh, all the events there. Because there is one further one that we've got, um, which we're hosting here. And again, that's been put on by DIS, the Darwin in- International Institute for Studies um, in Compassion. And they are... Uh, this is going to... Um, it's a talk um, by Gwen Bernit. Bernit? I'm not quite sure how to pronounce her surname, actually. Bernit. Bernit? Bernit? I'm not yeah. sure. Mm. Um, so, she is the great, 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 great granddaughter not sure how many greats there should be there um, of Darwin <laughs> um, and she's talking about um, political process a peace process in Colombia um, and how we might um, yes yeah, so take some of that um, Western I might bring my wife to that because my wife is from Colombia oh yeah, well, yeah there so, we go um, the, all, all of the uh, everything that's happened with the FARC um, whichever way you look at it, it's got, it's got to be a good thing. So um, I'd love to hear that. Yeah, I um, think that should be really interesting. I mean, the fact that it's about Colombia, um, some people might um, wonder what that has to do with Darwin, um, but I think it's all about um, lessons that can be learnt, really, and yes. in post-truth um, politics. And, of course, politics in itself is very evolutionary, isn't it? as we've seen in our own political situation at the well, moment. Well, you just think how much people can achieve if we're in peace, you know? Mm. I mean, Well, that sits alongside the Compassionate Workshop, which I think is... I mean, that's the one... I'm looking forward to all of them, but I think that's uh, one that I'm particularly looking forward to. So Gwen is the great-great-great-granddaughter of Darwin. She's a Wolfson Scholar and PhD candidate in anthropology at UCL. Wow. Um, she is an author of the book Chocolate Politics, not Chocolate Politics, sorry, Chocolate Politics and Peace Building, an ethnography, an ethnography of the peace <laughs> community of San Jose. De, uh, I should never start reading this, should I? A part to do in, in, in Colombia. Um, and that's, that's because they do it, they make a lot of chocolate in Colombia. Ah. They grow, you know, they great cocoa plants there. It does sound really, really interesting. She sounds fascinating. So she's worked in Colombia for over eight years, writes on the peace process in the London Review of Books, um, Latin America Bureau and the Conservation Conversation, and is a member of 
Embrace Dialogue, a transnational civil society organisation that supports the, the Colombian peace process. I think it should be really interesting to Well, as, as English people, we, we actually have a lot, lot to thank South America for. I mean, if it wasn't for the potatoes that came over from South, South America, we wouldn't really have fish and chips and, uh, yeah. as a national dish. Yeah, so the Darwin Festival's all on um, originalshrewsbury.co.uk. It's taking place on February the 8th to the 24th. And it says Shrewsbury will be full of curiosity and independent thinking. Uh, So all the events are there. There's a lot going on. There is, and I think it's very fitting that this place is a part of it. You know, and um, I really, I'm definitely looking forward to the climate change um, talk um, and the science tonight climate change deniers you know that, that's going to be brilliant because there's a lot of that about at the moment you mentioned Trump and a lot of what's going on at the moment it seems to be people will just believe what they want to believe regardless of the evidence so I think that'll yeah. be a really good uh, um, a really good thing um, I think what's great about um, this year's Darwin Festival which a lot of work has gone into it mm-hmm. is that it's also um, forward looking yes. as well um, rather than just being historic so for example um, the climate change um, and then there's the future of the biotech industry, which is very interesting. Absolutely. I mean, um, about uh, our cancer, are we winning? Um, biotech is um, is is, is uh, really taking off at the moment. You got these, you got um, prosthetic hands that can. Oh, there's so up much. I mean, so everything's amazing. so um, taking off so rapidly, isn't it? Yeah, so I mean, you think about all the developments over the last um, hundred years. Um, and I, I sometimes think that um, humans haven't really caught up evolutionary, actually. I mean, one of the things I quite find quite fascinating, you probably, probably want to take this one off, is like, for example, the female body. Um, I mean, puberty starts much earlier in life. Um, I'm not sure about menopause or whatever, whether that's later, um, but there's no, been no change. Except that, um, but the window these days for people actually wanting children is much smaller. Yeah. And, you know, women are having babies later and later. Not, not, yeah. Average age, I think, is nearly 30 now. First, so, yeah. why do people need to be, you know, going through, why does the female body need to be doing that process for such a long period of time? Yeah. Um, I find that quite fascinating how, whether evolutionarily that will change. I was reading something about. Um, a patch that one people can just put onto the skin now which gives contraceptive um, cover for six months but it actually has little needles in it Wow! and then ever so often obviously microscopic little needles it will inject the, inject the contraceptive whatever it is into the so skin you keep this patch on you the whole assuming time. you just keep the patch on you I don't oh, wow. yeah and that's quite revolutionary if you think yeah. about a plastic with little needles in it that obviously you wouldn't see wow that is really good um, I don't know whether they've produced one for men yet <laughs> but yeah there, there are certain things that we we change add to our lives that do I guess change the course of our evolution and so looking at biotech and, um, and little things and things like that are great you know I mean think of a hundred years ago if, if there was an amputee with a you know missing a leg um, he would be. He wouldn't have a, a job. He wouldn't. You know. Nowadays, you got 
you got people that have got a leg missing that can run 100 meters as fast if not faster than somebody with two legs you know this is they quite go out there incredible. and they get out there and they, they work and they you know and it's because of, of of great advances like that and but one of the things we don't hear quite so much about these days is actually stem cell research yeah i'm sure there is probably quite a lot about but when you think rebuilding that organs. rebuild and yeah. um, the other one is the um the other events Sure, they've been adding things on here. It's UCS breakfast, uh, business breakfast, so the evolution of di- digital solutions. Um, and there's things for young children, isn't there? There's music that the Hive are doing. Yeah, we, we're going to... Wild play. I'm going to try and get and speak to, to Paul from the university, see if we can talk about the things that they're... they're because they've got some fascinating things going there. This, this festival, this Darwin festival, is going to be pretty great. I mean... Whether you're into science or whether you just like poking your toe into to see, you know, if you, even if you like, you got you haven't got a lot on and you just want to get out and yeah. see. Yeah, I was looking forward to some of the the kind of pub philosophy, but I can't see that. Yeah, there's um, there's the evolution of alcohol production. I know that one's at the R. Am I giving you enough information about our events? Ab- about absolutely, the yeah. Well, thank you, Fiona, for, for talking to me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And, and it's, it's, I mean, this year's Darwin Festival promises to be um, better and bigger than, than ever, actually. And, you know, there's, there's something for everybody from young to old, um, literature, science, and, and technology. And, uh, and it's very much looking forward as well, which I think is a great thing for Shrewsbury to be doing to, yeah. um, you know, paying huge respect to our heritage but being a progressive town as well. Um, well, what I want to try to do, what I want to achieve to do, is to try and give something to people that can't get out um, and attend these great events that we've got going on. So, um, say you can't get out of the house, um, you know, if we can, if we can give you the opportunity to enjoy this from the comfort of your own home with a podcast, then we'll try and do that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll ask you one more question, um, and then I'll turn this off. What does what does Shrewsbury mean to you? I always ask somebody this at the end of an episode. What does Shrewsbury mean to you? I've only lived in Shrewsbury actually for about um, oh, actually probably longer than I think, uh, about fifteen years. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, I mean I brought my family up here, and it was a great place to bring my family up. You know, they all went to uh, sixth form college. They were able to have jobs while there. They could travel independently because the trains trains go in all directions and buses, um, and so they they could enjoy lots of independence, but in a relatively safe environment. Um, and for me now that my children have all left home, I live in the centre of town. Um, never a day goes past almost without me thinking that I'm an extremely lucky, fortunate person. Um, but I'm also not just because of the place, but because of its people and um, it's it's big enough sometimes to be slightly anonymous if you want to be anonymous but small enough to be extremely friendly and there's so many things that one can get involved in if you're prepared to get involved and do your bit and um, it's quite dynamic fantastic brilliant thank you for chatting to me it's been really nice you know and hopefully hopefully we get to do something again